0: Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us on the Sports Blog New York Podcast. This is a quarantine edition. This is our third or fourth one throughout quarantine. Who the hell knows when it started, uh, when it's going to end? We don't know. What I do know is that the NFL draft just took place this past weekend, and my boy Alec Argento is here with me. And he's getting used to working that mute via Zoom. Don't think I didn't catch (laughs) that. I'm a
1: professional. (laughs) I'm a professional here. I I do this every day.
0: I love how I'm going to go behind the curtains right off the bat. This is a terrible way to start a podcast. But right before we started recording, you go, oh, nice. I could just mute myself when you're talking so I don't, you know, make any noises. And off the jump, you forgot you were on mute, your first words of the podcast.
1: (laughs) I didn't forget. I, I did it
0: on purpose. Oh, It sounded like there was a hesitation there.
1: No, no, no. I'm a professional at <laughs> this. I know all the, all the zoom, you know, next slide, please. Can everyone see my screen? You know, I'll give you 10 minutes back. All that good Ugh. stuff. I know, all, I know how to navigate corporatism
0: because <laughs> typically you and I do this in person, which is way better. Of course. I mean, I'm still lucky enough to see your face via zoom right now, but a lot of times we get to sit right yeah. next to one another and, and do our thing talking about who knows what on the sports blog, New York podcast. Uh, so this is different for us specifically we've done a couple over the phone but you know it's it's still kind of new for us but uh it's good to have you here it's good for everyone to there's be another here.
1: chapter there's another chapter in the in, in the saga that is the sports bug new york podcast whether it's in my parents basement or your apartment or my apartment or zoom we got this
0: exactly through and through me and Alec will be talking New York sports with you. And that rhymed. And I did that on purpose, um, but we have obviously the draft to talk about, which is number one thing we're going to get to. Uh, but also there's some baseball buzz. I don't want to say news specifically because nothing uh, is set in stone just yet, but there's definitely some stuff to talk about with uh, some possible plans on when the season may start. Cause I know uh, you are itching over there, Alec. I know, Everybody listening to this podcast is itching for any live sports and baseball specifically. uh, The baseball episodes always do well uh, on the SBNY podcast. But thank you guys for coming in again. Uh, Let me just wrap back this intro and just say I hope you guys are doing well in quarantine. And this podcast can just provide you some moments of, of bliss. How's that? How's that sound, Al?
1: Hell yeah. We're all in this together. Let's get through it
0: with sports. <laughs> That's right. With sports that are not sports, but they're sporty enough for us right now. Um, but <laughs> we, I will start though by asking you um, about your quarantine, right? So what are some of the odd things, not odd, what are the, some of the things I shouldn't have said odd. What are some of the things that you're doing? You're odd enough by itself um, that are helping you <laughs> in make the best of this quarantine and and survive it and stay sane and all that fun stuff.
1: Well, I'm doing some super productive stuff. Like I lost like 30 pounds and I, I'm running a, half, a virtual half marathon. But Then I'm doing some super weird stuff. Like I got really into Lego pieces, like $130 Lego, piece, Lego sets. Um And I'm um, convincing my girlfriend that they're decorative pieces and putting them around the apartment. Um, <laughs> um, and, and And I was just telling Pete before the podcast started that, for some reason, I decided to watch every movie in Jake Gyllenhaal's <laughs> filmography, uh, and uh, at, after this episode, I'll be nine nine movies in. Uh, it's he's a great actor, man. He's one of my good boys.
0: <laughs> I like to refer to him as Mister Music, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with that reference.
1: It's from the sack lunch boys.
0: Yes, the sack lunch bunch, baby.
1: Sack lunch bunch. That that was the best part of that that special. He was, he was amazing in that. It was so it was so freaking funny.
0: It really was. He he. T- it was the end. It was the caboose of the show. Uh, which is what all people refer to the end of the show. What a (laughs) way (laughs) to close. So Mr. Music is uh, played by Jake Gyllenhaal. It's very, very funny. Um, Like I said, you do have the odd enough tendencies on your own. Um, I don't know what's weirder, though, is running a, a virtual half marathon or getting really into Legos.
1: I don't know. I, my poor girlfriend just has to deal with this. I've just been in her apartment for eight weeks and she just has to see me try to flounder to like try to like it was OK when I was reading books and like watching movies. And now now, you know, just deciding to watch the 22 movies in Jake Gyllenhaal's filmography is just a very specific, weird <laughs> choice. <laughs>
0: but enjoyable for everyone, I would say, is the Jake Gyllenhaal films. What a guy.
1: He's just hell. Yeah,
0: he's so handsome, too. I'll see that. baby. Mr.
1: Music. Oh, yeah. And the way he transforms his body for different <laughs> roles. My God. My own.
0: <laughs> this is exactly how I expected this to start. Um, couldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Some of the things I'm doing, by the way, uh, similarly to the Jake Gyllenhaal, but not quite the same genre or even whole thing. But I've been ripping at bats on MLB The Show, man. I, I am up to... You know, I started playing MLB The Show probably right when quarantine started. And my road to the show player is in his third year. I think I've, I've had about 800 at-bats uh, in the game alone right now. He's starting to come around. He's an 81 overall. It's slow and steady, ticking up on the Padres in first place. It's no big deal, but it's a big deal. Um, I'm surprised you didn't Wait, mention the show.
1: Hold on, I just want to. Agno- I want to acknowledge. So, so I haven't played the show in a while because I left it at my apartment. I brought my Xbox and my Switch here, but I left my PlayStation at my apartment. But when I was when I was last playing the show, I was getting so freaking frustrated because I. I so I, I carry over my character every year, right? Um, and so I've been on the Oakland A's for like five years, like in real time, and I'm sick of being on in the real Oakland time, as, as so in I, like I start-
0: MLB the show, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20
1: yeah. Okay. Yes. And, and it's, it's infuriating because, you know, I, I, at that point, I've, I've played enough games where I'm a good player. So I keep trying to force trades And then uh, this season I got I didn't get um, signed for my arbitration. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm hyped about that. I'll go sign wherever. So I signed with the Diamondbacks, started killing it. And then it, it saved the setting because I kept demanding a trade from when I was on the A's. So it, it traded me when I was like, it kept my preference for wanting a trade when I went to the, the Diamondbacks, And then I got traded to, to, to the A's again. And then I was, <laughs> no and then way. I was like, all right. And, and like the A's kept losing because I did this when it was like 2015, when the A's weren't good. So they, you know, stunk. Like my best player was Chad Pinder on my team outside oh, of me. Um, and, and then I, I, when I get traded back, we're, we're, fi- we're the best team in the league. I, I'm killing it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm finally like smacking home runs. And then I get traded mid season to the twins. And just like unceremoniously. And when you get traded in the show, it's like the most unceremonious thing in the world. You just get a notification. Your, your, your road to the show player is no longer on this team. And you don't know what the hell is going on. Like there's no like pageantry to it or like fanfare or anything like that. It's so annoying. Just let me like consistently be on a good team. At this point, I've earned it. And uh, <laughs> just just let me like hit some dingers.
0: And what happens when you get traded too, because my guy got traded in the minors, which was just a mistake by the Marlins. I'll tell you what, Derek Jeter loves trading good outfielders. (laughs) He loves getting rid of good outfielders. But besides the point, like you get traded, it gets a notification, and then you get a call from your agent like a week later. It's like, hey, how are things in San Diego? It's like, oh shit, I forgot I even got traded. Uh (laughs) also but,
1: how annoying is it being a center fielder like I, I wish I was an inf- it's so boring you just you just shag fly balls the entire game
0: yeah you're just shagging flies until your arm becomes really good it's not that fun because you know it's hard to really throw people out as well shortstop third base second base definitely a little more action a little bit more you know in the in the thick of it when it comes to defense
1: and let's not talk even talk about dynamic difficulty because i don't know nope. i'm
0: not getting mad right now al I'm not getting mad, mad.
1: My strike, my my strikeouts have been skyrocketing, and I'm down to like an 18 plate vision. I can't, I can't. All I do is strike
0: out. Bruh, legend. The legend. You can't. You know what? You can't even say if you go to the settings, gameplay, that whole thing, right? Legend is not even an option to select. Hall of Fame is the highest one, right? I'm pretty sure that you could only. I didn't know that. I think you could only select up to Hall of Fame yourself, but if you do dynamic difficulty, you can get up to Legend, and it's it's impossible. It is impossible. But
1: I, I can, I will kill it on Hall of Fame. Yeah. But when I get to Legend, it's like I'm bat, I'm a minor league player. Like I, I can't do anything. Well not that I can't do. I either hit like, like like you said this before. I either hit like uh um you know extra base hits or strikeouts. Yeah. I do.
0: I was batting one ninety, but like sixty percent of my hits were home runs. <laughs> <laughs> all right well enough mlb the show talk we'll talk about more baseball stuff later uh, i will say this on your jake gyllenhaal front though i have gone back and listened to a, a boatload of different music genres uh artists and, and whatnot i don't know if i told you specifically about this but i explored like 70s yep. 80s all that i'm I'm trying to get into the thick of it see where are all the people who i've Listen listened to marvin Gaye, right to? al green
1: Al Green, I love me some Al Green. Man,
0: I've been all over it. I actually listened to every album he put out from nineteen sixty nine to like nineteen seventy seven, which was like hell yeah, which was like ten or twelve albums. And I I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. It has been a journey, and I recommend out there. You know, you know, you're getting a little worked up, a little cooked up in your apartment, your house. Do something you never did. That's good. That's a good piece of advice, right? Try it out. Yeah. Um, hell yeah. But now we're going to do something that we have done before. We're going to talk about the New York Giants and the New York Jets and the NFL draft uh, at large, really. We're going to focus on the New York squads, of course, as, as we do, uh, but there's some other talking points that we obviously want to hit, uh, maybe like the Packers or something, because like they, they had a pretty interesting draft. Um, but let's start here, Al, basically. And, and again, Sportsbook New York podcast, Al Cargento, Pete Kennedy, you know that stuff already. Um, let's start here with the quarterback situation, just because – I haven't gotten your take on it on the podcast. You're known to have some hot quarterback takes. Are you Are Are you? Are you cool with the order of Burrow to a Herbert and where they landed? Is there anything that jumped out to you in those first um, six picks, I guess, that was quarterback?
1: I mean, the, the only thing that jumped out to me was that, like Fromm and, and I forget the other guys. Ethan,
0: yeah, Jacob um,
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, the, they went as late as they did. Uh, but it was just such a deep draft class. Um, Tua, I I could totally see Tua being the best quarterback in this draft class. But I, you know, I, you, I understand why he slid down. Just I mean, it's not like he slid down to the second round or anything like that, right? He, he yeah, slid down. He to two, five. A, like, <laughs> exactly. But you know, people thought he was going to be the, the consensus number one pick going into uh, this year, um, and then you know he slid down for the injury concerns and whatnot. But I could it, I could see him going well, and the the and the way that the Dolphins drafted around him. I thought it was fantastic and just stacking up on offensive linemen and, 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 you know, being able to move the ball, getting some wide receivers and whatnot. Um, You know, the Dolphins went from having zero foundation because they traded everything away. Like their best players were just gone uh, to uh, actually having a core that you could just totally see um, actually being a legitimate team, especially with the way, you know, the, the AFC East is these days. I mean, nobody knows what the Patriots are going to be. And because of that, it's wide open.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Brian Flores too as a coach like proved a lot last year. They could have easily been in position to get that first pick. They were not a talented team and that team played incredibly hard and Ryan Fitzpatrick for all his flaws, you know, competes at a high level um, you know, from a from a competitive standpoint, not from like a quarterback IQ standpoint because he plays ridiculous style of football, but that team competed hard quarterback
1: they, IQ. He went to Harvard, dude.
0: Yeah. All right. We covered this on the last episode and like, I don't need <laughs> to go back there. Cause I got all fired up about that. Cause it's hilarious. But um, the, the dolphins, I think did a really nice job and they had a couple, you know, things that people consider reaches throughout the first and, and second round. Uh, but all in all, when it comes down to it and you'll hear us talk about it a lot, so much of this draft stuff, I don't want to say is a crapshoot, but there are odds that can play out very differently Um, for all different sorts of players. People who went too high maybe will turn out better than you expected, and people who went too low can also turn out better, or or vice versa. It doesn't really matter. So it's hard to really judge too critically on some of these linemen, on some of the defensive backs, because let's be honest, Alec, we didn't watch Noah Iguna... Hey, ah, God, that's... Why did I pick that name to go at right there? There There's all these names on my computer screen, and I picked the hardest one in the draft to announce. But... We didn't watch these guys throughout college, right? So it's really hard to get into the nitty-gritty of um an outside linebacker in the 3rd round, uh, an offensive tackle from the 2nd round and all this stuff. But with quarterbacks, you see them, they're very visible and that's why I wanted to focus on there, but it sounds like you feel pretty comfortable with how it played out in the 1st round. Early 1st yeah, round. Yeah, and,
1: and I think Bur- I I think Burrow is going to be good. I, I I don't know. I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't think he's like uh, the highest ceiling. I don't think he's going to be an Aaron Rodgers or anything like that, right? But I think his he's got a really high floor. Uh, I think it was the right pick for the Bengals, um, and you know he played in a pro pro system, uh, and and I just you know he he killed it in LSU. So
0: Right. I mean, he just had like pretty un- inarguable? unarguable. You're a good words guy. Inarguable. Uh, inarguable. Inarguable. Inarguably. The best quarterback season in college football history. Yeah, he threw sixty touchdowns. Right, like that's outrageous. Yeah,
1: sixty. I mean, he's 50? not the best LSU quarterback of all time. Zach Mettenberger is. But... Yeah.
0: <laughs> Good point. <laughs> true. 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 I forgot about him. I mean, he had no one to throw to, and he still threw only a couple touchdowns. Um, that's obviously. Didn't know
1: what to throw to. you was throwing. you OVJ OBJ and
0: Landry. I was. That was a joke. I was being
1: sarcastic. Oh. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't good. It wasn't a good joke. Man. Well, <laughs> if
0: you knew that OBJ and Landry were his receivers, you may have been like, "Ah, this guy's making goofs."
1: You just played it so straight face. This, <laughs> this is fun. No one <laughs> else. We're a good time. No one else can see my face <laughs>
0: except for you. It doesn't count. Well, anyways, um, I I pretty much agree. The only thing that I get stuck on with the whole Joe Burrow versus Tua thing, and almost leaving Herbert out of it because I rank Tua well above Herbert, and if he wasn't injured above Burrow. The Bengals are the the drawback here, too, and the Dolphins are kind of a drawback, not as much because of what they have done around this pick, but can you imagine Joe Burrow being this fantastic to lift a team that hasn't won a playoff game in X amount of years to a new level of greatness? Can Joe Burrow... Yeah, but you know what?
1: You know what? What I, how I think about this, and and like, I, all right, I understand that the coaching staff has changed significantly, but there was a good period of time where they were going to the playoffs every year with Andy Dalton. Correct. Andy Dalton is the most mediocre. You know the Dalton line Theory, right? Where where the, the the like the base level of how good a quarterback needs to be for you to be a, a playoff team, but never win the Super Bowl, right? Andy Dalton was the, like the definition of mediocre, uh, literally. There's a, there's a, a, a statistic about it, <laughs> but they were able to do that as a, as, a, as an organization. And when it started going downhill is when they had to pay him. Right. And that, that's fair. Cause he got paid over market value for himself. So if you, if you have that situation now where you're a quarterback on a rookie contract, they, they've been known to draft well, they've been known to be a good organization. I can, I don't, listen, I don't see anybody from Cincinnati winning, winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. I think that there's a lot of stacked teams right now, um, you know, and, and teams that got better, like the chiefs and, and the Ravens had a, had a great draft for them. I mean, you know they're not going. They're going. They're going to be the Super Bowl favorites. But I could see Cincinnati being a playoff team for the next, you know, in, in within the next five years for sure. An Um But I also I, I, the AFC. The AFC is going to change dramatically um, because you know a lot of the old guards retiring soon. Um, and and I, I don't know. I, I just I could see them. I, I I could see them if they if they were able to make Andy Dalton a playoff uh, caliber quarterback. I think they can make Joe Burrow, who's significantly more talented, uh, a playoff quarterback.
0: Absolutely, I, I I agree with that. Actually, I think the Bengals get too bad of a rap for what they've accomplished in the past, say ten ish years. Right? Even when they had uh, Carson Palmer back then, they were a playoff team or a fringe playoff team. They weren't pathetic when he was healthy. Like they're not a they they get this rep as being like an incompetent, terrible franchise, and they're really not that. Last year was actually their first like really bad year in a long time, but the idea of seeing the Cincinnati Bengals as some title contender is something that's hard to cross your mind. It's kind of like the Cavs with LeBron. Like we we didn't grow yeah. up with the Mark Price Cavs against Jordan. Like that team was really good. We grew up with the Cavs being the laughing stock of the league. Mm-hmm. And then they got LeBron. They weren't. Then they lost LeBron. They were the laughing stock again. So that's kind I mean, of how
1: war, I mean it happens all the time in sports. It right. eventually just it changes. Until you know, look at the Royals. The Royals the Royals and the Cubs—they won World Series, and, and nobody—that uh, that never happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Royals won a World Series. Contact, baby, contact against the freaking Metsies, man. <laughs> against the Metsies, it's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it, that—that's something that you think about. And then Matt Stafford, who obviously the Lions had the third pick, comes to mind because I think if you watch Matt Stafford in college and you talked about him pre the draft, he was selected, and even his first year or two, it's like damn, like this dude is incredibly talented, like what an arm, what a competitor, like tough-ass mf'er. Like he is ready to ball out in the league and didn't get a lot of help with Detroit. And that could really make someone go from a Matt Stafford to what you hope Matt Stafford would be, or in this case what you hope Joe Burrow would be. So what the Bengals can do around him is going to be ultra, ultra important. Um, Two of though, let's just hope he stays healthy because I think if he's healthy, he's a damn good quarterback, man.
1: That, you know that's a team that does. There's a lot of Dolphins fans out there, obviously, but I think that that's one of those teams. Like you know, how they always say in, in basketball, like uh, like like the NBA is better when the Knicks are good. One of those type of things. Mm. I think the NFL is better when the when the Dolphins are good.
0: Right, Miami, nice jerseys, like good vibrant colors, uh, rich history. Yeah, I, I agree. I would, I would, I would stand behind that. And the little lefty quarterback magic back in in Miami. <laughs> that's good stuff. All right, well, let's talk about. Excuse me, let's talk about the Giants and Jets uh, part of the draft here because, I mean, Chase, it's actually, I will say this before we get to the Giants, uh, it, it's hilarious how little Chase Young has been talked about. I mean, it's almost like he's so good or so expected to do so well that you know, there's nothing to say. What, what What's going to be a fresh take on Chase Young? Anybody who's going to say, like, oh, he's not going to be that good, like, they're lying to themselves, I guess, no, right? He's,
1: he's gonna be dope. He's gonna be dope. But I mean, ultimately it's one of those things where like it's like Joey Bowser on the Chargers, right? Well, no, not even that. It's like Joe, it's like it's like he's gonna be awesome on a team that's not gonna be good. They're still not gonna be good. Dwayne Haskins is still their quarterback, right? Like they they, they still have no offense that, that, that you can worry about. Dwayne Haskins just throw is gonna throw a ton of picks. He has no self confidence in his game, and he's probably not an NFL caliber quarterback based off last season. Obviously, there's room to grow. You know, it's only been one year, not even a full year, right? It's been. Yeah. What did he play? Ten weeks or something like that? If that um, maybe
0: I don't even know if he played ten.
1: Yeah, but he didn't look good. He, he did not look good, and until they figure out their offense, that that defense is going to be great, but it's not going to matter, right? I mean, it's especially with with the way that the uh, the NFC East looks in terms of offensive lines now. All of a sudden. Um, I'm not saying you're going to neutralize Chase Young, but you're going to mitigate Chase Young, right? You're going to like it, it, like the Giants got a, got really a lot better at at, at uh, offensive line. Cowboys have a, a really good offensive line, obviously, and some of the Eagles. So you have more you have more room there for it's you know there's good left tackles in the NFC East. So I, Chase Young is not going to have he's going to he's going to have a little bit more harder for, uh, harder of a time uh, playing in the NFC East than he would in other divisions too.
0: Yeah, and um, the NFC East, man. I mean there's a path here for the NFC East. If the giants kind of get their crap together, if the Redskins, you know, if Dwayne Haskins becomes that guy, or if they get a quarterback next year, or who knows what, if they figure out the quarterback situation, there's a path for the NFC East to get back to this, you know, no, NFC beast. yeah, there's some note, maybe not one, you know, 13 win team, but all four are between eight and 11 or something like that. Eight and 11 wins. And, um, that's how it was growing up for us.
1: That, and is, that, was, it was, that was awesome.
0: That's an exciting time. The, the Redskins have a sneaky amount of division titles in, in our lifetime.
1: Don't they have the most division titles out of anybody in the conference? Isn't that like a weird stat about the Redskins? I wouldn't be
0: shocked. I will look that up as as we talk about our next item. And you actually segued yeah, that. I, I'm pretty sure they snuck
1: in a couple times with, with RG3, Kirk Cousins, and things like that. They and uh, the NFC East has had a ton of different division winners.
0: And you know what? It, it sucks to even bring this up, but Alex Smith... Could have been on his way to keep the Redskins right in that that like contention level where maybe they weren't the best team in the in the division, but they were hanging Did he around. Fight to- him this year, I mean, actually, I you know what? I believe there's an E60 this week on Alex Smith and his his injury recovery. But I, I mean, I don't know. I think there's word that he wants to come back, but if he's able to or not, is going to be a different story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that we all saw that injury. I mean, that doesn't seem like you could even walk again after that. So God bless. Hopefully, he does. But. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem likely.
0: Yeah, it really doesn't. But you actually segued me very well, uh, to our next topic, talking about offensive linemen in our, uh, in our, in our division. And I say our, as in us as giants fans, the New York giants did what a lot of people wanted them to do. And I think that's a very simple statement that, you know, feels like it doesn't need to be said. But when you talk about the giants and you talk about the lack of trust with Dave Gettleman, uh, to this point with fans you know, warranted or not, you don't know what the Giants are going to do and you don't have any real expectations of what they're going to do because they seem like a wild card. But Alec, they went offensive line, Andrew Thomas, a guy who, you know, varied from pretty much one to four on that offensive line big board, right? But he's a beast. He's a big ass dude. And like I said, us regular folk grading offensive linemen is probably not the best uh, analysis you can get in the world, but from your perspective, and I know you've went deep in the YouTube barrel to see Andrew Thomas. What do you think of the young tackle?
1: I, I mean, you know, listen, it's hard. I would say we, we were all talking about this. You, me and our, our other friend who, who we were talking to about it, uh, the draft prior to, it. but it's hard to get excited about offensive tackles. Like, you, you know, it's, it, you can't really tell from a fan perspective, how good they are. Right. And, 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 and their footwork and everything like that
0: especially when these dudes are just like massive people in college who are manhandling people uh, on the other side, like, you know, Andrew Thomas is what? six five three twenty 320 or something like that. Like he's not he's going up against all professional level talent, right? So if you see him against a regular defensive end in, you know, the, the mountain West division, he might have some highlights on there that might get you really excited. But they may yeah. not be transitioning properly to the NFL level. And that's why I think watching Lyman could be a little bit tough sometimes in college because the physicality level can be so different, so much of a variance. Whereas a wide receiver or a quarterback who is silky, smooth, uh, has great, you know, for wide receiver ball skills, catches everything with his hands, runs beautiful routes, it's much easier to see that translating to the league. Whereas a three, uh, six, five, 320 pound guy, Picking on a six foot one, two hundred uh, and twenty pound defensive end who's not going anywhere is a little tougher.
1: Yeah, but but what what gets you excited about Andrew Thomas is the fact that he was going against professional talent, right? He was he was in the S D C and has been a starter uh, at left pack. Well, I started at right tackle and then went went to left tackle, but uh, as a true freshman uh, at, at Georgia and. One of the themes that you'll, you'll see, uh, you know, besides versatility in, in, in the Giants draft strategy was the fact that they wanted people who played up to the competition. Right. And that's something that, that excites you. And and he did awesome against SEC talent and SEC talent this year was ridiculous. Right. I mean, uh, and, and when you see the late and, and he was one of the not only was he great at, at one, he was fantastic at both pass blocking and run blocking. And for a left tackle spot that hasn't had a, a you know, a fill that's a proper fill for the giants since what 2012, right? I mean, you have to be excited. He can potentially be the starter for the next 10 years. So that, that being said, like, I know some draft boards had him like not number one, but he's, he has the highest ceiling and the highest floor in my opinion. So he may not end up being the best offensive tackle on this draft. Cause there were some really good talent this year, but his. He's going he's gonna to be a, a starter day one and will start for us, barring any injury for the next 10 years. This isn't an Eric Flowers situation, right? This isn't oh. him coming in and people saying he oh. needs to work on his work ethic or anything like that. This is a guy that's ready to go. He plays up to competition. Um, and, you know, not to, get, like, to, to segue this off to the rest of the Giants draft, um, Gettleman produced six starters last year, potentially seven uh, out of the draft last year which is like you and I talk about this all the time, but Gentleman is an amazing drafter. Like he, he he may make some silly decisions sometimes like like the Leonard Williams deal and everything like that, but he drafts well. And, and you can tell that Joe judge had a lot of influence this year. A lot of Patriot moves on, on on the, in this draft. And there's a ton of versatility. Uh, And it looks like you like, all right, we don't know what Joe judges X's and O's are going to be until they, until we see them. But It looks like he has a plan and it looks like you could see the system starting to develop just by the personnel that they have, who they're keeping, who they're grabbing and who they're getting. And like in one draft, you were able to – and people are annoyed too that they didn't grab a center, they didn't grab pass rush and stuff like that. But in my opinion, like you can't fix all the holes that the Giants had in one one offseason, right? It's just impossible. So their plan was – Let's fix. Let's fix the secondary, and let's fix the offensive line, which were the two biggest areas we had issues with last year, right? So now, you, in the off season, not only did you get uh, James Bradbury uh, and DeAndre Baker looked pretty good at the end of the season last year. Julian Love looked pretty good at the end of the season last year. Um, you now, you now got arguably, arguably, not, actually pretty, inarguably, the best safety in the draft. Oh, yeah, Jabril Peppers now from last season. Um, so your secondary looks sexy all of a sudden. And you have Matt Parrott and Shane Lemieux who are going to be swingmen, which is good, who are going to play on all sides of the offensive, uh, offensive line and, and are the heir apparent there. And they're, they're cross-training Shane Lemieux at, at center. So it looks like they, 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 have, they have depth for the first time too, which is crazy. And they even uh, they, they, they got Darnay Holmes, the cornerback uh, the at UCLA, uh, to, you know, to create some competition too for cornerbacks. And you just gotta love what they what they did in this draft. I mean, all around they they just it looks awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I knew when you texted our little group chat and you're like, "Damn, I'm really getting deep into this." I just watched so like so many YouTube clips on this UCLA cornerback. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was getting real. But something I wanted to mention on Andrew Thomas before we move on to some other things, but or yeah, is please. the funny thing about these rankings and the big boards and the mock drafts? This guy, Worfs, right? The guy who jumped out of the pool, had insane measurables and whatnot. Everybody was the, probably the most excited about him, right? And he went last out of the big four offensive tackles. So, what do we know? What do they know? What does anybody know? This guy, Worfs, it was the biggest talk on Twitter. All, all my Giants fan friends, like Worfs, 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 Worfs. Jets fans, friends, Worfs, 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 Worfs. He was the fourth one to go. So who's right? Who's wrong? I don't know. But Andrew Thomas gets me pretty excited. Yeah, but you know
1: you see that every year. I mean, remember remember DK Metcalf last year? Um, you know he went pretty late in, in the first round, and you know obviously everyone knew who DK Metcalf was because he was like a fucking excuse a freaking specimen. He was a what? Uh, and uh, he was a freaking specimen, dude. He was he, he, he was <laughs> uh, he was a gorilla out there. Um, and then he you know he went
0: pretty late in the first round. No, Brandon, he, he didn't DK go in Metcalf the first round. Oh, he went in the second round, right? Yeah, he went. I mean, uh, I feel very strongly about this, and I've talked about it on the podcast a bunch. He wasn't even the best receiver on his college team. And I stand stand to that, because A.J. Brown was my favorite guy in the draft last year, checked the receipts on the pods last year, and he was awesome this year. And I think he's better than D.K. Metcalf, but he was like that sexy combine guy.
1: That's what I'm saying, and, and I think that, and that was another thing that the Giants did was like they weren't really, they didn't really care about the combine this year. I mean, that's why Xavier McKinney went down, right? He had a he had a bad he had a bad combine score. He, he ran like a four four five or something like that. And a lot of these players thought they were going to get pro days and didn't get pro days, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's always you know it's game it's game tape versus combine scores, and that's always like a big philosophy difference for a lot of people when they're drafting. And I, I think a lot of I think most people from, from a fan perspective would want to see game tape, right? I I don't really think we care as much about combine scores. We don't really care how high you can jump I mean, and everything like that. Unless I, it's measurables and you have to re- irrationalize rationalize how great he is. <laughs> right,
0: right. Well measurables are great, right? If um if Andrew Thomas is insanely strong, if he has like a I think he actually ran like a, a five two, maybe five was that him? I know. No wait, am I thinking of um
1: he's yeah he he ran, he ran a fast forty time for a time. Oh,
0: I'm thinking of the other guy who went to the Jets, uh Becton, who we're gonna get to People were fre-
1: McKay, McKay Yeah,
0: people were freaking out because he ran a five one and he's three hundred and sixty pounds, which is incredible. But it doesn't mean everything, right? And Andrew Thomas ran a five two, and like that's pretty damn good for a big ass dude as well. So, I mean, as much as measurables do matter, they are by far not everything. And I think the perfect example when you're talking about a safety too is Tyron Matthew, right? Like his measurables aren't that special, but when you watch him, you see that instinct that is so next level, and the way he just finds the ball. And watching McKinney, not that he looks like Tyron Matthew, because Matthew is one of the best college tapes of all time, but he has a ball hawk tendency and he hits.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, with with McKinney, uh, I, I'm, I mean, that was that was one of the biggest steals of the draft. I mean, he, he, people had him as a mid first rounder. We got him in right. the second round, and that dude, you know, talk about versatility. That that guy was was good at everything <laughs> and he played all over the defense uh you know he 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 has a touch out there he hits hard uh you know he can he can run uh, uh he, he can rush the the passer he can stop the run he, he's awesome he's he's going to be a star for us and i mean you know the last the last safety we drafted out of alabama high mm-hmm. in the second round uh turned out pretty good for us granted we didn't keep him but uh you know hopefully he's he's like landon collins i mean he's a different player than Landon Collins, but. Uh, You know, I mean, just the returns that we got on him, I think are going to be pretty high on there. And, you know, just in general with the Giants draft, if you think about it this way, their offense just went up, not just one level, it went up a bunch of levels because if their offensive line gets significantly better, which it seems like it, it did your your uh your running uh your rushing gets better and then rush your your quarterback gets better and your because your rushing is better, your quarterback is better, but also because your quarterback is better, your wide receivers are better, right? There's more time to throw and you have you have you can make better plays and Daniel Jones will fumble less. So your offense, not that it's fixed, but it's it's above average all of a sudden, right? I, and that's that's something that was huge because we, we barely scored any points last year. And if you watch Daniel Jones last year, he every game he'd have about four or five plays where you're like, wow. Right. And then he fumbled four or five times in a game. <laughs> so if you yeah, get, if you know, you, you hope, you, you hope,
0: yeah.
1: So you hope, you hope that a, you know, he's going into a sophomore season, the game slows down a little bit for him and he, he can you know learn from his blind side a little bit and stop fumbling. But now his blind side, you know, I don't know if Andrew Tom is going to be starting at left half. He might be starting at right tackle, but um you know, if, if we can shore up that left side, he's going to be a significantly better player. If he has more time, he's going to be a good quarterback.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, the Daniel Jones thing, obviously we're not going to go too deep into it right now, but it, it only takes in your rookie year, it takes moments to be like, this guy has something to build on, or, you know, I'm not seeing much right now. And he had plenty of moments where it was like, this guy has something, and it was really nice. Um, McKinney, though, real quick one of the things I kind of ended up saying about McKinney a lot was if he went 15th, maybe 15th is a little high, but if he went like 18th, 21st, 22nd, no one would have batted an eye. Everyone would have said, yep. Yeah, I mean, it was a good pick. that makes sense because he's a, he's a baller and we ended up getting him uh number number four in the second round. And, and that's a guy who now we can expect to be a player early and often on this team. And, and I think position positionally, There are positions in the NFL that seem to not be first-round positions. And uh, what's his name from Indianapolis comes to mind? Darius Leonard, right? He wasn't a first-round pick. He was a stud as a rookie last year. Middle linebackers aren't really guys who are looked at as top picks. They're not top ten picks very often. I don't even think Bobby Wagner was a first-round pick, if I I remember correctly. It's really – It's the edge rushers. It's the offensive tackles. It's quarterbacks, obviously. And then, then skill positions, which are, you know, receivers and corners. Safeties hardly even make that measure. I don't know why, because I think a game-breaking safety is as big of an impact player as a game-breaking corner. Um, Like, Jamal Adams obviously went really high. But you don't see a ton of safeties going super high in the draft. Uh, And and that makes me really excited about McKinney, because if he's a game-breaker, not saying he's going to be by any means, but... He definitely has the potential to be, and that makes things very exciting.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I told you this before, but I, I think what's exciting about this is, like, Giants aren't going to win a Super Bowl this year. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But they are, like, they're getting better, and they're not boring bad anymore, which right. is the worst you can be you know, it's something to build on. Uh, Last year we tuned in because we want to see how Daniel Jones was getting right. And throughout the course of the season, not only did we see Daniel Jones develop, we also saw Dexter Lawrence become a monster. We saw DeAndre Baker get good at the end of the season. Julian Love get good at the end of the season. Brian Connolly was good before he got hurt. Um, You know, uh, O'Shane Zimenez was good. You know, they're they're, now that we have, we have young talent at every position pretty much right now. and, And that's exciting and you know, it, you might not have gotten a stud pass rusher, but they drafted a bunch of lottery tickets, right? And if, if and I'm not saying that they're going to hit, but if you look at Gettleman's history as a drafter, you got to assume one or two of them is going to hit, right? And then, and then even like them doing that, that, uh, that, that tender on um, Marcus Golden it seems like the Giants front office is super confident, uh, competent all of a sudden, right? That they're making the right moves, that, that they're looking for the right people, and they transform people's careers. Like last year, Marcus Golden really wasn't anything, and then he got 10 sacks last year. So, um, you know, they can – if you create a right system and you get the right personnel there, they're going to be a competitive team to an extent, right? And that's exciting. And now next year, next offseason, they can focus on – not just needs anymore. They can focus on best available. When you're drafting for best available, you're going to do well, right? Like mean, that, That's just kind of how it is. Nobody cared who the Chiefs took, right? They they could just add whoever they needed to because they were set at every position anyway, right? right. So if they want to draft a backup running back with a high pick, screw it. doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, because he could be their starting running back by uh, training camp. <laughs> like For exactly. real. I'm- I just counted. Also, there's some like uh, miscellaneous uh, beep boops noises going on here that Alec definitely can't hear right now, but I'm hearing it. So if you're hearing it on the podcast, my apologies. I don't know where they're coming from. I tried to shut them off. Um, hopefully, they stop now. There were six cornerbacks taken in the first round. Six, and obviously Okuda and C.J. Henderson were looked at as like top tier, top level guys who were you know expected to be really, really good ball players. There wasn't one safety taken in the first round. McKinney was that dude. He would have been the only dude taken in the first round. And if McKinney ends up being, you know, better than one, two, three, four of those cornerbacks, what a huge win for the Giants in the second round, right there. What a huge win. Yeah,
1: well, that's what the, the draft is weird because Joe Burrow wasn't the, the best player in this draft. Chase Young was the best player in this draft, right? right. But teams in, in, the, in the top have to, choose, you have to prioritize what you need, right? So if you need a quarterback, quarterbacks are going to go higher than they they belong right joe burrow is is not number one overall but he got taken number one overall matt stafford maybe not what i'm just using him as an example maybe wasn't number one overall but he got taken one overall right so you just kind of you get forced into like the the system of the draft uh and having to take certain positions in whatever like you were saying before so you know yeah like And and that's the thing, too. Like, that's why I like to look at big boards more than, like, mock drafts. Right. Um, And just, like, to to kind of, like, validate where where people went. Um, Because, like, mock drafts are so silly because you don't know what what anything's going to happen.
0: Exactly. Because then, you know, when someone slips a little bit, you go, oh, maybe it was a team need situation. Maybe it was just, you know, bad placement. There's a lot of different things, but you know in your head who you think the best players are. And that helps you, you know, evaluate the draft a little bit better. And we will get to the Jets quickly in a moment here because we got to get to baseball as well. Don't be forgetting about that. I know you're not, Um, but the, the receivers blew a lot of people's minds too. And the Eagles come to mind because Justin Jefferson seemed like a match made in heaven for the Eagles. In my opinion, I thought the way he plays between the numbers, obviously his size isn't fantastic, but he's a playmaker. He's fast. He has really good hands. And he is really good, seemingly in that RPO style system that would work really, really great with Carson Wentz. So, but who did they take? They took Jalen Rager, who is a guy I did not know much about. And granted, he looks he looks pretty good. Like he looks like a burner. He looks fast. Like he, you know. But it blew my mind they didn't take Justin Jefferson. And that's why the mock draft situations get a little fuzzy. But you know, if I did my research on every single receiver in the draft, which I I didn't, I did on like the top six or so. I didn't I didn't watch any Jalen Rager. And and he could easily be very good, but you you know what I'm saying? But on on the last point on the Giants here about Dave Gettleman, and I've been saying this over the past couple weeks now, if he didn't, you know, open his mouth as much, like if he didn't talk to the public or to the press, whatever, I think we look so differently at him and at the Giants. And even I use this on last week's podcast, you look at, what he did in Carolina. Obviously that team was stacked for a little bit. They made a super bowl. Cam was an MVP. They had a really good thing going. The whole Josh Norman thing almost got blew up, blown out of proportion. Maybe he handled it wrong from a interpersonal, uh, you know, way of looking at it and how he handled sure. uh, the, the people in the situation. But it's also pretty easy. I don't want to say easy, but understandable to say he did the right thing from a contract standpoint from a not wanting to pay him too much money standpoint. And I don't think losing Josh Norman set the, the Panthers back at all, right?
1: It's like, the, it's like the Bill Belichick mentality of, like, I'd rather lose a guy a year too early than a year too late, right? Right, but and Bill Belichick, though,
0: doesn't say anything. He doesn't give any piece yeah. of uh, bulletin board material. He's on to Cincinnati. He's like, we're using the best player available. We had to make the right decision for the team. Boom, that's it. That's all you hear. Dave Gettleman's trying to like outsmart the room. He's trying to like play mind games with the room. He's trying to maybe play mind games with other general managers who may or may not think he's an idiot, but when it comes down to it, he has a pretty decent resume for the players he's put on his teams. And this is another great example because going into the draft, what was your confidence level in Dave Gettleman? I'm not sure, but it's much higher now. Is it not?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, last year, when they were able to produce six, potentially seven starters out of that that draft, that's ridiculous. That's unheard of. Did you mention Slayton before, too? Oh, you know I love Slayton. Slayton's my
0: guy. I just wanted to see you smile. (laughs) Yeah,
1: Slayton's my guy. (laughs) He's going to he's gonna end up being the Giants' number one receiver this year, in my opinion. Oh, man. Sterling Shepard. Da- do Jones
0: connection? Don't do my dog, Sterling step like that if he could uh, stay on the field.
1: Sterling Shepard needs to stay on the field. Right. I love Sterling Shepard, but he can't stay on the field. Facts.
0: Um, all right. Well, that's a lot of good stuff on the Giants right there. Let's move to the Jets so we can get to baseball uh, in a timely fashion here as well. And not like we're going to, you know, just skip through the Jets uh, willy-nilly, but obviously the Giants were a big talking point here. And, you know, opposite of – Dave Gettleman, who is in this, like, guilty until proven innocent phase with Giants fans because of what he said and what he did with the Leonard Williams stuff and basically just him opening his mouth too much, right? Joe Douglas, on the the other hand, has, like, a blank slate. He got picked up with the Jets after the draft last year, handed Adam Gase, Sam Darnold got mono. It was a really weird year for the Jets, and they had their moments, and Darnold had his moments, and you know they obviously weren't the worst team in the league they had seven wins they, they ended up with a respectable record but they could have done a lot more but none of it really had to do with Joe Douglas right so this was his first shot off the jump he took a guy who seemed to be one of the bigger risks at offensive line Mekhi Becton guy's a freak he's 6-7 he's 360 he moves pretty well went to Louisville uh, not a you know not a great conference the ACC but a respectable one who who plays pretty decent talent were, A were you shocked by the Becton choice, and B what are you, what are your takes on, on the whole situation there?
1: Yeah, I mean there was there was four tackles going into this draft. I think that people were pretty high on and being one of them. Um, so I mean you you could have told me any of them got got uh, got picked within the first four, and I wouldn't have cared what order uh he does look like a freak though i mean I, i'm i'm not big like i said before i don't really look into tackles before they get taken i want to see afterwards what everyone goes and see how they, they would fit he's a freak nature i don't I, I i could see him you know i could see him being um you know kind of a lower floor kind of guy but his ceiling is at the, at the yeah. freaking moon the so variance on him is probably the widest yeah, he, he reminds me of uh, uh, what's his name, the tackle from uh, from from the Cowboys. Was it Tyrant Smith? Yeah, Smith. Yeah, I mean, where you just look at this guy and he's a freak of nature, and he's, he's wearing knee braces on going his elbows. To be athletic. Exactly, like, <laughs> the guy, the guy, the guy's a monster. I, I think, I think if if, if you're a younger team and everything like that, this guy's going to put a lot of athleticism on the team. He's going to be pulling people and pushing him and and, and he's the kind of guy who's going to take your mind to the next level if he works out, which I don't think he's going to be a bust, but he might be the worst out of the four. But is that really that bad? You know?
0: Yeah, it depends on on everyone else does. And and the funny thing is with the Giants, and I I hate to bring them back up, but I just did. um, We all knew about how bad their offensive line was and how bad the Eric Flower situation. It was a national talking point about how the Giants couldn't protect us, anybody. They couldn't they couldn't stop a pass rush to save their lives. The Jets, however, also didn't really have a good offensive line, and Sam Darnold was, quote, seeing ghosts last year uh, when he played against the Patriots, I believe. So it was a, a, a big need for them, and whether you think they picked the right guy or the wrong guy, I know my boy Bruce, shout out Bruce, is a offensive lineman in his own Division One legitimate player, 6'6 six, six beast, right? So he knows offensive lineman probably better than anyone else I know. And he was really upset about the pick. But I think then you sit back, you think about it, you watch some of his tape, and you're like, all right, you know what? I, I'm not going to give up hope on this guy right now. He's a top 11 pick for a reason, um, even if he was a little higher than maybe we expected. He has the chance to be really, really good. And that's what Jets fans have to think about Mekhi Becton right now. You can't – it's like when the Knicks go into a draft, right? Maybe you didn't want Kevin Knox, but you watch Kevin Knox uh, in summer league and you watch his college tape and you're like, all right, there's something here. He has talent. There's a chance he can be really good. It's now up to my team to do what they need to do to make sure he's really good. And your trust in the Jets is a different story. But Mekhi Becton is a guy – who has in, immense talent and immense physical ability and has a chance to be really good. And I, I don't think there's that much more to even say about it. Um, other than the fact that the jets filled a clear need to help Sam to help the offense. And if it wasn't the guy you wanted, that's okay for now. And if he doesn't pan out in a year or two, then you take your anger out. Eric flower style.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I think that the jets should be really happy because they got, uh, they got Mims. And that guy's going to be dope, especially now that they lost Robbie Anderson. Uh, Sam Darnold. You want a guy that's going to grow with Sam Darnold, right? Like just like just like Slayton and and Daniel Jones are doing well together. Not because they're the best players together, but you want somebody who's going to grow with the team together, right? Uh, and he's awesome. Uh, he was, I think, a steal in the draft. Not like a crazy steal, I don't, but but I I think that he's going to be really really good. He's immediately, in my opinion, going to be the Jets' best, best receiver. Um, and you know, that, 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 that elevates
0: them significantly. Yeah. And, and wide receiver is one of those positions where it really becomes a preference thing as well, where like the style of the person's play becomes really important sure. to the system, to the team, to the quarterback, to all that stuff. Right. And that's why there's such a variance in receivers where Jalen Rager can go ahead of Justin Jefferson, who was across the board looked at as the fourth best receiver in the draft. Right. Denzel Mims in theory and in reality, was ranked above Jalen Rager in everything that I saw, personally, and probably most um, mock drafts and big boards, yet he went late, late in the second round. So, in in that position specifically, there's guys every single year at wide receiver who come out the second round, who come out the third, fourth round, who come undrafted. Undrafted for years, Right. I mean, yeah. Who 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 are ball players? And you watch this guy play at Baylor, which is a team that threw the ball a bunch in his career. He is a playmaker with with good size and and great and like really great ball catching ability. I think the Jets got a steal here. It wasn't somebody I was super duper familiar with, but somebody I went back and watched a lot of tape on afterwards. And and boy, could I not be more excited uh, for Sam Darnold? Because personally, as a non-Jets fan for just a New York person who wants to see the Jets be relevant and and solid and someone who likes Sam Darnold, I really wanted them to take CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy at number 11. I really, really did because I thought it would be really exciting. I thought it would be really good for Sam Darnold. But if you could now take Becton and a guy in Mims who may not be CeeDee Lamb, but he may be a great 1B or a 2A, that's a win right there. I mean, this guy is 6'3". And they He's got, got down, too,
1: right?
0: Yeah, they traded down and still that, got that, one that of the was, guys.
1: Yeah, they got an extra third-round pick for him.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, from that standpoint right there, it's hard to be upset about the Denzel Mims pick. I think that's probably the fan favorite pick of the draft for the Jets. It, it, would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and, and the, the funniest thing was going on Twitter after the Jets drafted Ashton Davis yeah. in the third round and seeing people legitimately say that this may mean the Jets are going to trade Jamal Adams. And I'm just like, what? I I texted that. Uh, I don't know if I texted you. you, Thank God you didn't text me because I would not have let it slide. You're talking about a game breaker, top 10 football player in the league, probably stud Jamal Adams, who is still on a rookie contract, but about to get a big one. For a third rounder out of Cal, who was a hurdle champion in college, yeah, we're going to trade Jamal people, Adams. Not, Come on,
1: that's not why people are. That's not why people are saying that. They're saying that because Jamal Adams wants off the team. There's a whole issue. Jamal Adams wants to get paid too. Yeah, so that's not. It's not because Ashton Davis is this better player than Jamal Adams or anything like that. It doesn't it's matter though.
0: The fact that that talking point yeah, came
1: does, up. I, I I totally disagree with you because you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and they had to get rid of Jalen Ramsey and I I don't know how to pronounce the other guy's name <laughs> the other the one the uh oh, the, boy, the boy, pass I? rusher the,
0: oh yeah uh, I can't I can't say that wait the pass rusher Yannick. or the corner
1: uh, Yannick oh yeah yeah, yeah I yeah. don't know how to say Yannick. So thinking, the, the, you just sometimes you have to get rid of players because they're gonna get paid I mean you did 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 anybody expect uh uh Tyron Matthew to get cut no but it happens in in the NFL and people don't want to pay people I mean, it's it's just. And do you really want to pay someone at a at a safety position that much money? I don't. When does it work out? Look For at look Chiefs. at Landon Collins. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just saying. Look, look look at Landon Collins. Once he left the Giants, he got a big payday, and, and it's hemorrhaging the Redskins. They can't right. him and Josh Norman. Like these aren't positions that you pay. It's just like just the reason why Dave Gettleman got rid of Od- Odell Beckham. You shouldn't be certain positions shouldn't be getting paid as much as they will, unless you have everything
0: else in line already. Exactly. It's all a give. You know, it's all a give and take. If you have a really cheap offensive line because they're all young, you can afford to pay some other positions, but you got to take care of the most important things, which are you know pass rushers, offensive linemen, quarterback.
1: Yeah. So I'm not saying Jamal Adams is not mountains above uh, Ashton Davis, but the idea of them trying to find a replacement because they know who he wants out and wants to get paid, and maybe they don't want to spend that money. I don't think that that's a, a crazy notion.
0: Yeah, but it has nothing to do with Ashton Davis. <laughs> like has nothing to do. Uh, I, uh, well, I,
1: I, on, on a side note, what? on a side note, uh, Giants just picked up Evan Ingram and Jabril Peppers' fifty option.
0: Very nice. I'm happy to have M- Evan Ingram and Jabril Peppers back for the Giants. I just I hated the timing of the talking point. I hated the timing. It's like, oh, they picked the third round safety out of Cal, who we've never heard of. They're probably gonna trade Jamal Adams. Like, I hated the this happened, so this is happening scenario on Twitter and all and whatnot, and that that, that bothers me. It really did. I tweeted about it, and uh, I had to get it off my chest because it's silly. It's silly. It's like drafting a point guard in the second round with your with the twenty sixth pick in the second round and saying, oh, well, you know, um. We're probably not going to pick up our, our, our decent rookies uh, option. Now. But
1: this is also a direct, dra- I, I really disagree with you. I'm not, I'm not, again, I, I'm, I think the, the conversation is thick because I think that this draft itself, everyone's, people are saying this is the deepest draft in 25 years. So a third round pick, they, they said about 15 people are in the second round, but first round talents, right? So. If you're if if that's the case, then you got to think that there, there's a few third round players that are going to be first round talented in here. And I'm not saying Eshin Davis is that answer, but I'm just saying hypothetically speaking, um, you know there is a chance that these players could be really good that you're getting the third, and fourth, like the day twos and day threes there. So I think that it's a reasonable question, not to say that they're definitely getting rid of him, but to say hey, does it, I wonder if this means that that, that that they are that they're we are ready to move on from him. Um, not because he's a better player, uh, you know, a better player or anything like that, but I think that it's a reasonable question to bring up,
0: right? And I'm I'm fine with that, I guess. You know, I, I hated the timing of it. I hate how it was brought up. I hate that I saw multiple tweets say Jets draft Ashton Davis. Time like now, Adams is on a way out. Like I thought that was crazy because, in my opinion, Jamal Adams is one of the few defensive backs in the league who deserves to be paid. Like a top tier player in the league, like he is that good. I think he's incredible. Uh, so maybe that's also why I got I got a little bit upset about it too.
1: So so did people say that about Odell Beckham, and he's not. I mean, that's just what that's what we find out, right? I mean, that's just there's certain positions. It, when when is you know I don't I, I you have to find me a team. I'm sure I'm sure it's happened before, but I'm sure it's very rare that the highest play a paid player on a team as a safety. I just don't think that that happens very often on a a Super Bowl
0: winning team. Right. Like, I'm assuming Cam Chancellor wasn't the highest paid player, but, like, he deserved what – he might have probably got underpaid. Earl Thomas, they had two – that team doesn't count, I guess. (laughs) They had an incredible defense. Yeah, I mean, that that entire (laughs) defense was stars. Right. It depends. It all depends because, you know, Stephen Gilmore was a guy who got a big contract and then – was doing fine. He was doing good, right, right? And then he went to the Patriots, and now it's like, oh, snap. Stephen Gilmore is like an absolute game-breaker right now. He's locking down the entire league. So it depends. There's a lot yeah. of variables here. Um, I just hope the Jets don't get rid of Jamal Adams and find a way to keep him, because having him in New York yeah, I sure. think is a win.
1: Sure. I, I had a question, though, because uh, you know I, I touched on it before, but people were saying this draft was historically deep, right? And, you know, I, I obviously want to Cause I, from, from the fan perspective, I thought that we had a great draft and I want to look into it and I'm seeing, I I texted this to you, but all I'm seeing is, uh, you know, the draft grades for every team and obviously they don't hold too much water, but I saw draft grades at high for pretty much every team, except for maybe like 10 teams. That's really high. Do you think that that's just them trying to appease the fans? Or do you think that this draft is actually that deep that teams are all significantly better this year? for having drafted in this
0: uh, draft. There's a number of variables here. Um, One is the people who predicted that this draft is going to be so good need to make those grades good because if the draft is that good and the grades aren't, then someone's, someone's missing something, right? So that's number one. It's kind of like with the uh, being able to challenge penalties, the refs make the call and then make the call on the challenge. So if they can feasibly, not overturn what they already called, they're going to keep it because they don't want to make themselves look bad. So these writers predicted it to be a big draft or a great draft, and they're now going to have to put grades that it's a big draft as well. So that's one. And then two, it's probably, like, is it a great draft? There's a really great chance. Absolutely. But there is a sense of optimism here at this time specifically because it's almost like an ignorance is bliss situation because we don't have all the information we normally would on all these prospects. We don't have pro days. We don't have in-person interviews. We don't have the obnoxiously long combine where these people all interact with scouts nonstop for like four days straight or whatever it is. So there's a lot of variables. Maybe there wasn't uh, as much dirt uncovered in this draft about a lot of prospects, which maybe made it grade better, but it's a mixture of all those things.
1: Well, I mean, even when we were watching the actual draft, I mean, usually commentators aren't afraid to say that's a weird pick. That's, that's I don't think that's going to work out. I didn't hear that until the Jaden Hurts pick, right? Or no, the, the, the I guess the, Jordan the Love uh, pick. I guess the pack, the, the, uh, sorry. Uh, the, uh, yeah. Or, or, even the Packers pick. Yeah. I, I just, uh, um, it, there was a lot of optimism during the draft, which you don't usually see from commentators.
0: Yeah. That's interesting though. It's a good point. And, I mean, there's only one way to find out. we got to get this season started. Hopefully, we'll be able to do that. But yeah, if that happens. speaking of talk getting season getting started, started yeah, <laughs> look at that. How, this is how you know we've been doing this for a couple times. Um, it's time to move on to baseball. We don't have a load of time left because I don't want to make this a super-duper long podcast. But let's talk about baseball because it's important. It's supposed to be going on right now. It's not, obviously, other than my MLB The Show season. Um, but there's some news of sorts or some rumors sprinkling about possibilities uh, in baseball and when it could start. So it seems like they're shooting for a late June, early July start. Where these games are going to be played, if there's fans, very much so up in the air, but that's the target. And also something that's getting kicked around, which is very interesting, is abolishing uh, leagues right now, no ALNL, and making super divisions, where it's an East division, a Central division, a West division, etc., cetera, and it's one giant league, three big divisions, You know, combined, shortened season, extended playoffs, and and different stuff. Al, you can get into more of the details if you have them. Uh, But that's the gist of what is being rumored right now. So when you see this, Al, where, or I should say, how high does your excitement level peak?
1: I mean, first of all, for two factors. A, um, the fact that there's just going to be sports again to watch. uh, Sports again to bet on sports again to do whatever with. Uh, I'm hyped about, but also, you know me, I'm not like a, so- I always, we always say this about like soccer and hockey fans, how they don't want um, people to, uh, you know, get into their sport. Like there's just this like wall where you're not a real fan, right. But if for baseball to be the only sport in town uh, and everybody watching it for, uh, for the biggest baseball fan, like me, like uh, I, I couldn't be more excited to get people into the sport. I think that that's and, and especially in a fun, wacky season, um, you know, with the Yankees and the Mets, and the Braves and the Nationals and the Red Sox all in one division. Yeah. That's frigging fun. That's going to be fun. The one thing that worries me is like, you know, uh, I don't mean to be a homer here, but like the Yankees are, were considered the World Series favorite here, right? Say they win a World Series. Is it tainted? Is there an asterisk on it? You know, is it weird if And you still like, have to go through everybody. The American League? I'm just saying, but right. like, is it weird if like, you know... Two people from the NL West are playing in the World Series together. Like, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, that's that's funky. I mean, so, so like the logistics of that are are tough. And but you know, ultimately, I think everybody here would just say, "Hey, I want sports back." Let's figure <laughs> you it know? out. So let's I, I let's figure it out. Right. And and it seems like, you know, you you you, I, you you actually misspoke a little bit there, PP, because you, you said that you don't know where the the pro- the proposition for this would be uh, that they would play in their own uh their own stadiums with no fans and that's the, and the reason the super divisions are there is to mitigate travel
0: right right okay that makes
1: so sense teams that are, so teams that are close to each other they don't have to f- uh, fly on flights and everything like they can get on a sanitized bus drive to wherever they need to be and do do these games and everything like that and it also eliminates you know, something i think in our excitement to just get sports back we didn't really care if there was being played in arizona but there is there is a level of like People want to play in their home stadiums. People, certain teams are built for certain stadiums, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just how it is. So, I think that the, the actual the ability to play in your home stadium is a huge, 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 huge difference. Uh, how I mean, big? You put JD Martinez. <laughs> I think you put JD Martinez on, uh, in in Arizona. He's not going to hit any, as many home runs. As you would in, in Fenway, right? Throughout the season. So, um, and you know what, what's exciting to me is that. That, that that june that early june to late july minimum to maximum date there would allow for 100 games at least right. so that's a good size season right and and I, obviously it's not 162 things are wacky down the stretch in in baseball season so you know i'm sure it's not what what it would be at the end of the season but you know it's still enough to get a good baseline uh and good teams you know should rise to the top there hopefully and Um, you know, I'm just, I really am salivating at the idea of playing the Mets pretty often. Right. And and being able to text my friends during a quarantine, like, Hey, you know, your team sucks and stuff like that (laughs) and texting texting my boys. Uh, and I just want, I want people to get into baseball. I think this would be a fun season for people to get into baseball. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully they they can get the logistics set set up, but this rumor seems to have a lot more weight than the other rumors that we've had. So that's the reason I think we're talking about it right now. Uh, is because this one seems, you know, they're starting to put dates on it right now. Right. So if that's the case, then, uh, I think that you are probably coming to, to some kind of thing.
0: And, uh, also on top of that, I want to add from the logistics standpoint, just cause I don't want to forget this, something that you and I have specifically talked about on this podcast numerous times. This may once and for all, Alec, abolish the D, uh, the non D H.
1: Yeah, I think you'd have to. You'd I have think to. You'd have to do it this what, season.
0: Which, on a logistic standpoint, again, would lead to an issue when you start talking about AL teams versus NL teams, because obviously AL teams are already built to have a DH in their lineup and have that extra bat and not worry about as much, you know, um, wiggle room when it comes to pinch hitting and substitutions and pit, extra pitchers and whatnot. So, from a, the AL NL standpoint, if they're all playing with DHs in the same division of sorts. That becomes a slight issue, but something I'm worth um, you know struggling with to abolish the non-DH national league. Um, and then second of that, I want to note, there's been shortened seasons before in sports, right? Like the, the NBA had one not that long ago. We actually very easily forget that like 2012 was a shortened season in the NBA. It seems like a lifetime ago. It feels like it didn't happen, but there was a legitimate lockout shortened season in the past 10 years in professional sports. So this is not, this is obviously unprecedented for the health issues, but this is not completely in all aspects unprecedented.
1: Even in baseball, there's been strike
0: seasons. Yeah. When was the last strike season in baseball? Was that a while ago? I want to say 94. Yeah. So when my, my birth year. My year of birth, but but nonetheless, I think I think it's really exciting. Uh, as far as you know, a tainted championship. Obviously, there will be some people who say that. Those people will be haters because no matter how you skin the cat, all these teams are starting at the same point, right? They're starting. They have to play one another. They have to go through a grueling pro, uh, playoffs. Uh, we assume, right? So, as much as haters will say, especially if it's the Yankees, that it's tainted everybody started at the same spot. So whether there's 90 games or 140 games or whatever it is, everybody played the same amount. Everybody had their chance to make the playoffs. And then everybody in the playoffs had a chance to win and the best team will win. So as much as you want to worry about that, throw that to the side. It's not worth, it's not worth worrying about in my opinion.
1: I just want to see Garrett Cole pitch in pinstripes, man. That's all I care about.
0: I just want to see uh, Pete Alonzo hit some more home runs. You know,
1: I mean, it's uh, the one thing that I that, that I'm taking solace in is that what were we talking about before all this happened with the Yankees, all the injuries, right? As of now, everyone's healthy except for uh, Severino, and Severino, you you miss less now with the shortened season, right? I mean, that's just the name of the game with this kind of stuff, right? And there's been a lot of pitchers. There's just, there's a lot of pitchers with that, that had Tommy John in this off season. Cindergard's won, you know, Chris Sale's won a lot of big time pitchers. So I, I think. Teams that aren't as concerned about that, but it also it's a happy medium because like you know there's also teams that sign players on one year deals or traded for players like Mookie Betts on right. a one year deal, and you gotta like you gotta figure this out for those teams, right? Yeah, you, you gotta do something for them. They they, they 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 you know sacrifice their futures potentially. You know the Dodgers gave up a lot for for Mookie Betts and David Price. Like yeah. Alex Verdugo is going to be a stud, uh, and so and Junior Downs looks really good too. So. You know these these players that they gave up like they're they're going to get nothing in return like the Dodgers the Dodgers one season of Mookie Betts can mean a can mean a World Series for so you want to you want to get the, as much as you can out of these out of these contracts and and, and whatnot and you don't want to lose a year of you know like we were talking about before the other day was Aaron Judge's birthday it was his 20th birthday like you need to you need to utilize Aaron Judge while you can right uh, yeah. uh, before he gets too old like and, you
0: said in that text like he, he's, <laughs> this is supposed to be his prime. Ish, or like the realistically, like the start of his real prime, right? 28 yeah. to 32 is probably the true prime. Um, granted, his best season so far was his first season or first full season. Um, this sucks. Only full season. <laughs> yeah, true. Only full season. This really, really sucks for any player who is expecting and hoping to have a monster season because whatever you worked for, however many years you may have left, this could have been a pinnacle season for a lot of people, which which stinks. But obviously, there's bigger worries in the world right now. Um, one of the things that can weather those worries for us is the fact that we can, in our heads, feasibly imagine live sports. In this case, baseball, in July, and I think that's really exciting. And I think they're doing a good job of being active enough with communication, but not giving too much hope. You know, these are rumors. These are things they're thinking about. Even like the NBA, for example, they just today. Uh, Shams tweeted that one of the strongest uh, talking points amongst owners and, and whatnot and league officials have been uh, playing all the games in Disneyland, in the Disney whatever Walt Disney area, because everybody would be there. It's allowed in Florida, no fans, whatever. But he's like, this is not close to being a thing. There's many other options. This is one specific one that's been talked about. So the communication's been good. They're giving us stuff to nibble on. Hopefully baseball seems to have this a little bit closer. But who the hell knows?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing, though. I I, I don't I think if the NBA were to resume their season. I think that would be misguided. Um, I think as much as we all want that basketball season to count for it to finish, I'm sure, you know, teams like the Bucks and the Lakers really want that to go on. But too much time has passed. And, and the NBA, especially because so many teams make the playoffs, like so much so much happened in the last stretch of the season. Oh, there, so was, much there were so season many changes things. like
0: crazy. So many things yeah, that so happened. Th- yeah.
1: And then, you know, like, I, I I don't know what you can do. I think you, you know, you have to be creative with it. You can't just say, okay, let's finish out the season, right? You well, they let's do like creative. a tournament let's of be, sorts. Like, yeah. I think you have to, but like, you know, like, who, if you, you have to assume that, like, you have to be conservative and assume that some of those teams that are on the bottom, Jump up, right? Like, you have to just assume that. Like, who's to say? I, I obviously, I'm just using this as an example, and I know the Knicks wouldn't have made the playoffs this year. I'm just saying, <laughs> who's to say the Knicks couldn't have won 20 straight? You, went right? what? Like, you know, I'm just saying, like, like there's there's a chance that they could have jumped up. They were only, like, six games out, right? So they could have jumped out uh, to, to get the eighth seed or something like that. I know they wouldn't have. I'm just using this as a hypothetical. I want to be very, very, very clear. I know the Knicks would not have made the playoffs this year. But I'm just saying, you know, why, they they have just as much of a claim as someone who's a seed. You know what I mean? Right. And,
0: like, the, the actual good example here is the Pelicans, who not only sure. were, you know, expected to be a possible fringe playoff team – but they were finally becoming that team and then some, and the Zion factor where he was actually starting to flip TV ratings around. Yeah, and and be this dude for the league that we all hoped he would be when the NBA scheduled them on 40 freaking primetime games. They lost out on Zion's rookie run where he could have, not single-handedly, obviously they have other players who are good on the team, but, you know, almost single-handedly spark a fire under a team that we're all excited about's ass, and... Shoot them into the playoffs, like that would have been extraordinary to watch, and and we were stripped of it. And the luck that baseball has in this scenario is that they didn't start yet. There is no sixty games of who is the MVP now versus who would be the MVP of the the tournament thing. Baseball is clean slate. Whenever they decide to start, it's going to be this many games. If things go right, it's going to be this many teams make the playoffs and that's what we got, and everybody could have expectations and, and learn to be okay with it. And that's what I think baseball has working in their advantage right now.
1: Yeah, and especially football, too, Just since we started the pod with it. Yeah, I mean, and they, football they has the, the – the, not, the, not all the time in the world, but
0: – They have the benefit of seeing what the other two leagues do, at least, right, and see what works and what doesn't, and uh, that's a huge win for them.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I'm just hoping – Listen, I think the world needs sports right now in a time like this as stressful <coughs> <excuse> me, <coughs> as stressful and anxious as we all are um you know sports has always been an escape for people and right now i think that would make a lot of people a lot happier um if they had something to look forward to every day especially something like baseball that's every day anyway mm-hmm. um and the way that they're proposing it to have a lot of double headers and everything like that mm. we need it and Ooh. you know the, the quicker that we the quicker that we could have something to look forward to to get together to sit around the television just forget about how scary it is outside I think the better and, and I'm happy that everyone's trying uh, and hopefully we can you know it seems like June's going to be the, the, the time and hey I, I'm not a golf guy but golf seems to be coming back in June too so I, I'll watch whatever right now I'm loading uh, up my DraftKings you know,
0: sportsbook just, app right now
1: yeah so I'm, I'm excited for whatever I just want to have something different I don't want to keep doing the same stuff I want to I want to look forward to, to watching a team that, uh, you know, has always been there my entire life and I don't want them to go away uh, during this. Right. I think we all feel that way. Well.
0: That was beautiful, Alec. And, uh, also <laughs> you're going to finish Jake Gyllenhaal's catalog soon. So you're going to need something else to do. I
1: got to get something. I ran, I, I, uh, I'm not allowed to spend more money on Legos. I spent like $500. I'm like, <laughs> can't do that anymore. Um, I started, I read, I read a 650 page book. Oh I started God. reading another one. I said, No, I'm not. I'm not this person. I'm not reading books
0: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not this person. I do not read books. Oh, man. Me neither. I'm definitely not that person. I've uh, not read any books in quarantine. <laughs> Maybe, you know, oh, speaking of uh, things we've been doing over quarantine, we both enjoyed Middle and Schwartz, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. But although we have differing opinions on which episodes are funny and which ones weren't. Well, I
0: think they were all funny. We ranked them very differently, though. Which is fine. But yeah,
1: I, I, I just finished it right before this, this pod. That third episode I thought was the funniest one by far. And the first one I didn't like that much.
0: So does that mean we start an improv podcast?
1: <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't, <laughs> don't want to be a nerd.
0: Also, uh, it would just, it would no, it wouldn't go well. The things we say in our regular lives that we think are funny would not land on a podcast and or allow us to keep our jobs. Yeah, I would be very inappropriate very quickly. <laughs> very quickly, <laughs> it's bad. I couldn't help man. myself. You know, you got to give them credit because for you know they get raunchy and they curse obviously, but they keep it. They keep it within in their within the range of appropriateness for the most part.
1: How about, how about giving me credit? I don't even curse on this podcast. I think I slept a little bit today, but you I don't literally cursed curse today. You know me. You cursed today. I know, but I, 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 but you're gonna edit that out. No, you're I'm not edit that out. But, <laughs> I'm not gonna edit that you out. You are. <laughs> it's a family pod. You like but mumbled I, it too. You I, hardly I do heard a good it. Job, well, because I got nervous. Uh, <laughs> I think I said ass <laughs> a couple times a today. Of, yeah, well, that's fine. We, we we do it network TV level, so whatever you can say on a network TV, you're good with. But you know how I speak on a normal day-to-day basis, and I don't. Uh, I I don't. I'm not as curbed as I am now in this podcast.
0: It's true. It's very true. All right, well, Al, this has been great fun. Uh, I've enjoyed it thoroughly, and we talked about, obviously, a lot of NFL draft stuff. We wet our beak a little bit on the baseball stuff. Uh, But without further ado, let me ask you this before we say goodbye. Any last words for the Sports Blog New York podcast? Bring that sports, baby. That's that's all I need. That's beautiful. That really, really is. I was going to say this. You mentioned something about uh, how you want people to – enjoy baseball you don't want like hockey some hockey fans get or soccer fans get it. it's like oh you're not a real fan you only blah, 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 blah. community is on netflix hell yeah community is a the number nine ranked show right now on netflix which is fantastic alec and i have been big community fans i actually thank you and our friend mike craven for getting me into community in the first place fantastic fantastic show very very funny thoroughly recommend and we talked about it as soon as they put it on netflix we were like We don't want to be those soccer fans or those hockey fans or those basketball fans, whatever. So we want to embrace it. So my thing for you, if you're looking for something new to watch, try out Community. It is a fantastic show, and I think you might really like it, or you might not. And either way, my life will be the same. But if you do like it, let us know. Or if you don't, I don't care. Just let us know if you watch it. It's a great show. Six seasons in a movie, baby. Six seasons in a movie. That's what I'm talking about. And most people have no idea that the Russo brothers were heavily involved in that show for a long time.
1: I mean, not only the Russo brothers, we have Donald Glover, who's a huge star now, Mm. Alison Bree is a huge star now, Chevy Chase is one of the funniest people ever. Um, uh, uh, Ken Jeong is in it, John Mm. Oliver is in it, Joel McHale.
0: John Oliver looks like a different guy somehow, too. I don't know what happened with him. Uh, But also, Dan Harmon, Rick and Morty. Like, if you like Rick and Morty, Dan Harmon made Community as well. So, like, boom. Yep. It's a great thing. All right, Alec, you're the best as always. Thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me. Sports blog, New York podcast, Alco Gento and Pete Kennedy. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're staying safe out there. Wear your PPEs, pr- protective personal PPE. equipment. There you got it. There we go. Wear your masks and wash your hands, you filthy animals and, uh, and stay safe out there and, and call, call your family and friends and say hi and, uh, and enjoy. Have a great day.